So I want to pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for the privilege we have to gather in your name. Thank you so much for your word that you preserved for us that we can, Lord, open and receive the rebukes, the encouragements, the blessings, all that you have for us. That's all that we want. We want all that you have. Lord, we we want to receive your word for we know it is living and it is active. And so we ask that you would activate our hearts, minds and souls that we receive it with gladness. We pray these things. In your precious name, all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you weren't here two weeks ago, we covered a proverb in chapter 28, verse 13. And and, uh, what it says there is, He who covers his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes those sins will receive mercy. And we titled the message, Uh, confess or be a mess. And the just of it was repentance. A repentance in the true sense of the word, and that is to make an about face, heading in the wrong direction, uh, being aware of being in the wrong direction, and making an about face, and heading back towards the right direction. And we here at Reality, we want to make that word repentance a sweet, good, and rejoice Joyful word. Amen? And just make up words and stuff. (laughs) Repentance is not a made up word. It's a word that should be current daily in our lives because we daily, hourly sin. And if you remember two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of the minutia of our sin. There's an importance to confess and repent in those. That way we don't become, we looked at the life of David and be like him when he was at the wrong place at the wrong time, falling into lust, falling into a huge sin of adultery and murder, all because he did not make the adjustments that needed to be made. He had the accountability, he had everything he needed, but he voided himself from it and he uh, refused to repent. The Lord had given him opportunities but he didn't. And so it, it was uh, really eye-opening for me to remember that it's in the minutia of our sins that we need to repent. Because in doing so, we're able to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because when we're heading in the wrong direction, it's generally because our eyes are on ourselves or the things of the world. But true repentance is saying, no, I don't want to go there, I want to go here. And that's why the word should be sweet. That's because there's adjustment made in going in the wrong direction and then going back into the direction of the Heavenly Father. So we shouldn't see repentance as a bad word, right? And the funny thing is, as the Lord was stirring in my heart for the message today, I didn't really know as I was studying for it that it was an actual part two to uh, the repentance the message of two weeks ago. As I was studying, the Lord had pressed hard in my heart. It was so exciting to study about the kingdom of God. But as I was studying about the kingdom of God, the Lord revealed to me that this is part two to repentance. Just as John the Baptist was preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I was like, all right, this is wonderful, Lord. 
Because this is the message, the same message that Jesus had um, as he was in the Galilee, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, saying the same message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was calling for repentance, letting the people know they were heading in the wrong direction, that they needed to make an about face and head in the direction of the arms of the Heavenly Father. But then furthermore, he said, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, there, there was something to do. It wasn't just not to repent and to be content. That wasn't the, the just of it. The message was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and I love this because repentance is what prepares us for the service of God. It's what gets our eyes back on God. It's what gives us uh, uh, that, that right spirit where we need to be as believers. And that is, Lord, what is it that you have for me? See, again, uh, when your eyes are on yourself, you don't have that mentality. Lord, what do you have for me? When your eyes are on self, it's self. When your eyes are on the world, it's the world. But when your eyes are on Jesus, it's the kingdom of God. That's why the message was so clear, cut and dry. And, and somehow people have, um, have, have worded it to be this, oh, repent. But it should never be that. It's repent. Yes. Turn away from this and go towards this. And as we do business with the Lord, as we get right, our eyes are refocused, realigned, then we're able to do what he's called us to do, and that is to further his kingdom. And I, and I love that that's how the Lord works. It's not those do's, but it, it, or excuse me, it's not the don'ts, but the do's. It's don't go in this direction, but go in this direction. We've talked about this before, where we're not to be conformed, but to be transformed. We're not to be drunk on wine, but we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not to be anxious, but we're to be thankful. We're to flee uh, youthful desires of youth, and we're to pursue righteousness, faith, and love along with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. We're to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so that's what we're going to do right now, is we're going to understand that there is a purpose for us, and that is to be kingdom-minded. To understand that the kingdom of God is at hand, but what does it mean? And so what, what better life are we going to look at than the life of Jesus Christ? The life of Jesus Christ was the perfect example of how to further the kingdom of God. And so we're going to look at three areas in the life of Jesus. Jesus was an ambassador for the kingdom. Jesus was a servant for the kingdom. Jesus was directed and connected with the king of the kingdom. But before we go there, I want to establish a little bit of what is the kingdom of God. Because there's a lot of misconceptions. A lot of people think that the kingdom of God is this big pie in the sky. It's this place that we're going to go someday. When our, uh, our days here are done, or through the rapture, or uh, some experience that we're going to have in the future. That's not necessarily the wrong idea, but there's so much more to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is foundational. It's, 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 it's a concept within Christianity that is central in the theme of Jesus Christ throughout the messages in the gospel. The phrase occurs a hundred times in the New Testament. And it is defined often by parables 
because of the need to make people understand this concept of the kingdom of God. I like what Jesus says in Mark 4.11. And he said unto them, his disciples, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. The disciples were wanting to know about the things of God, so it was given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It was given to them to make it known, and it was Jesus' business for three years to reveal to them, to get them to this place of the kingdom perspective. It was a constant reminder. And, and as you read the Gospels, you see that that's the case, that the disciples often missed what it was the purpose of Jesus even being in their midst. They thought, like many other Jews thought, that, that Jesus was to come to establish his kingdom here on earth in a sense of reigning and ruling in Jerusalem and freeing them from uh, the bondages and the, the heavy hand of the Romans. But it wasn't that. It wasn't that. See, Jesus had clear understanding, having been from heaven, he was a true representative of heaven. So when he was making the mystery known to them, that the kingdom of God was in our midst, as we'll read in Luke 17, verse 20 through verse 37. Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, when is the kingdom of God coming? And Jesus answered them, the kingdom of God does not come by observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17, verse 20 and 21. Jesus tells them that the kingdom is right there in their midst. And that translation within you could be better translated in your midst or among you. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God was among them because the king was among them. And it, it wasn't that this, uh, because this actual passage has been taken uh, by New Age beliefs to have that mentality of the kingdom of God is within you. Find within yourself your potential and this and that. But Jesus is not saying he's making the point and he's drawing attention to who? Himself. He's letting them know that the kingdom is among you and those who receive me will receive who? The kingdom. Ephesians 1 uh, makes it clear that those who believe, those who have been adopted, those who accept are co-heirs with him. We are having been adopted and accepted, we are co-heirs with him, thus we become within, we receive Jesus Christ, so the kingdom of God is within and among us. And friends, this is uh, so pivotal in the life of the believer to have the concept of the kingdom of God not just being in heaven, but being amongst us. We're participants in the kingdom of God. It's not this great pie in the sky. Yes, it's the dwelling place of the Father, but we are to bring this uh, mentality right here where we are. Just as Jesus would pray, Lord, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. 
In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. Paul is making this clear concept that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. And that we are to pursue these things. Where? Here. Because joy, peace, and, and, and righteousness will be experienced when we get to heaven. But he's making the assumption that as we are here on earth, we are to pursue these things. And by pursuing these things, we are about the kingdom's business. So it makes a great argument that the kingdom of God is not just this place there, but it is to be here. It is to be for you and I to pursue these things. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Friends, this world needs some peace. Wouldn't you say? This world needs to know what the joy of the Lord is to look like. And brothers and sisters, it's time for you and I to realize that this is an area where we need to repent because so often as believers, there's that ho-hum or, oh, woe is me, I got to go to church, I got to read the Bible. There's like this drudgery in our Christianity and it should not be so because we're to have the joy of the Lord for the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord should be present both in tribulations and in good times. Why is that needed? Because why else would we, if we are, 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 are displaying drudgery, then this world, what part are they going to want to participate in? Oh, look at the drudgery of Christianity. I want to be a part of it. No, they don't buy into that. They're already experiencing that. They need to experience peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. And the only way they see that, the only way they are able to be participants of it, if they see it in the life of the believers who call themselves sons and daughters of the King of Kings. For the kingdom of God is at hand, and we, we bring in our midst. Where we are, that is where the kingdom of God is. But it is up to you on how you make that display. And I love what Paul is saying here. Pursue righteousness. Pursue peace. Pursue joy in the Holy Spirit. By doing so, we serve Christ in these things. It's acceptable. God says yes and amen. And, and, and as we pursue these things, man, we edify each other and we become worth salt, light in this world. And so the kingdom of God is at hand. We must make an adjustment. We must... In the trials, the tribulations, in temptations, in good times and bad times, we must seek ye first the kingdom of God, that the joy will be complete, manifested. So often, I personally need to make adjustments. I mean, when you're driving, you look in the mirror, you know. You know if the joy is there or if it's not there. You make adjustment. You repent, right? You, you fall into uh, the selfish ways 
we have that sweet word of repentance and say, oh man, I'm heading in the wrong direction right now. I need me some Holy Ghost, some peace, some righteousness. Lord, help me. Then you make the adjustments. And as we see, the Heavenly Father is so gracious and merciful for those who will confess. Amen? For the kingdom of God is at hand. We know that as Jesus said in John chapter 3, no one could enter into the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Why do I say that right now? Because the kingdom of God belongs to those who receive Jesus Christ. And I say and recite this passage for a sobering thought for you and I. See, to read this passage, you can either like, hey, praise the Lord, that is me, it applies to me, or I think the true kingdom perspective is, wow, there's too many out there that don't believe. They will not inherit. My dad who doesn't know Jesus, he will not inherit. My cousin, my this, my that, they will not inherit. So thus, in us should stir that kingdom perspective. There's... There's no room for you and I to be messing around in sin. We need to repent and we need to know and believe and further the kingdom of God. Amen? Because, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, the wicked, they will not inherit the kingdom. The kingdom does not belong to them. That is why it is important that righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit is present within us so that they might know that, wow, there is a difference. That guy who gave his life to Christ is a different man. And in their depravity, they'll see, they'll want to be a participant as well. And what a glorious thing, what a privilege we have to even be able to display that yet alone, to be able to invite someone into the kingdom. And so with that, when, when, whenever you talk about the kingdom of God, you, 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 you have to know that there is a kingdom of darkness. Because of the kingdom of darkness, that is why the sun was sent. To bring forth light, to dispel darkness, to draw men and women out of darkness into the light. That was the purpose. And so as a believer, you cannot ignore that there is a kingdom of darkness. And so having said that there is a kingdom of darkness, it should ignite the fire within us to know and be so encouraged to be about the kingdom of light. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Let us repent, get right, and further that kingdom. That is why Paul talked about in Ephesians 6 that we're to arm ourselves. We're to prepare ourselves because, man, we don't wage war against flesh and blood. Man, we don't have time to be bickering and arguing with each other. There's no time because the kingdom of God is at hand. That is why he says, man, put on that helmet of salvation. Get that, that, that shield and the breastplate of white righteousness and the belt of truth and just f- firmly plant yourself in the gospel uh, and, and man, grab a hold of that word and just know that we as soldiers of the Lord are to be about the business of the Lord, furthering the kingdom of God 
and no longer entangling ourselves with the affairs of this world. For the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand and there's a reality to that darkness. And because of the reality of that, those of you who know, those of you who have been snatched out of it, do you remember the depths? Do you remember the depravity, the shackles, the shame, the confusion, the condemnation? Oh, thanks be to God that he saved us and he saved us for the purpose of furthering his kingdom that others might know, that others might be participants in the kingdom. I like what it says in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Remember where you came from. Remember who you are in Christ Jesus and further the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, um, whenever I think of the kingdom of God, I think of this, this interesting little period of the life of Jesus Christ. You know, when he came to earth, he came with the purpose to give that message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And ultimately, he knew that life would be given to mankind by his death, resurrection, would come life for you and I. As we would believe in, in, in the death, the burial, and the resurrection, we, in believing that this is significant for you and I, to know and believe in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so, I've always been intrigued in this passage in Acts. Go ahead and turn there real quick. Acts chapter 1. It helps when the preacher says where, huh? Just Acts. Just turn to Acts, people. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 2. Interesting 40 little days that are happening here. This obviously is after the resurrection. Before his ascension, Jesus had a goal. And it was this. Until that day in which he was taken up, speaking of the ascension, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs being seen by them during those 40 days, he spoke of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Listen, Jesus in his very last hours here on earth was speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. His first priority was to make himself known. To make himself distinct from any other so-called gods. And that was the only true God that would uh, predict his death and resurrection. So that is why there was this need to let them know the infallible proofs. And that is, I am who I said I am. Jesus is alive. Amen? Yes. 
That's why we gather. That's why we raise our hands. That's why we believe. That's why we receive. Because Jesus is alive. He is who he said he is. And we believe and we say yes and amen. And so he wanted to make that so clear for his disciples. But also, equally, in that message of letting them know, hey, Jesus, here I am, I'm alive. Equally, he says, and begins to teach again the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Pretty interesting because in the three years that he spent with him, what was he doing? He was promoting the kingdom of God. He was getting them eyes. No, it's not about you. It's not about who's sitting on my left or right. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about me establishing it here, Peter. Put your knife away. Peter, understand that the kingdom of God is at hand, that there was a greater work to be done, that they were to carry out that work, that you and I would be participants because they chose to say yes and amen and further the kingdom of God once they got a hold of what it meant. But prior to that, they hadn't really grasped what it meant. And in those 40 days, Jesus made it clear, again, teaching them the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. It was almost like as a father, you know, you tell your kid, okay, this is this and that. And you tell them again, and you tell them again. And right as they head out the door, what do you do? You tell them one more time. Why? Because you want them to get it. And this was Jesus telling them right up before he sent them out the door. He again was promoting the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He didn't want them to lose sight of the true and undefiled reason of why he had, was about to ascend. And he was sending them out to do what? To proclaim the things of the kingdom of God. To send that same message. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen? Jesus, today, is reminding us of this very same concept. Kids, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what we want to do today is make it tangible and and applicable. How can you and I take this message of repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand? How can we make it? applicable to our lives. Well, like I said, the best way we can make this applicable to us is by looking at the life of Jesus Christ. In those three years of his serving unto the king, what was it that he did that we can formulate in our lives? Well, first, Jesus was an ambassador of the kingdom. An ambassador is a diplomatic uh, official of the highest rank, sent by one sovereign state to another as a resident representative, serving as a permanent head of a country. Long story short, an authorized messenger or a a representative. That's what an ambassador is. An ambassador is one who is from another country sent to another country representing that one country. Jesus was the proper representation of the kingdom of heaven. He was sent here to earth to represent who? The king and his kingdom. And Jesus did this how? Well, um, I, I really love the opportunity we have 
to receive, to receive the preserved Word of God. See, we can read the preserved Word of God and know and believe as Jesus, as He lived His life, as He served as King, we can know and believe that this is how He did it. Listen, turn with me uh, real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Wow, it's hot in here. You guys hot? You guys are hot? Did you get the message back there? So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, starting verse 18, but probably better to start at verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God we are pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are to be reconcilers And we are to be ambassadors. Ones who will properly represent. When you have been adopted, when you gave your life to Christ, you were, as we talked about in John chapter 3, were born again. Through that birth, you were no longer citizens of this world. You were now considered to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And in that citizenship... We are now foreigners to this world. And through being foreigners, we have also been placed and given this wonderful privilege of being ambassadors. And with ambassadorship are given privileges. And that privilege for you and I is to represent the king. To represent the king. And this is important. It's it's so monumental in this text because with that ambassadorship, we are to be reconcilers. But listen, you will never be a proper or an effective reconciler because, listen, what what the text is saying, what Paul is saying is that uh, what we are to be here on earth are are reconciling people to what? To God. But listen, we will not be effective in our ministry of reconciliation if we do not first properly represent our king. Our ambassadorship needs to be genuine and real. And yet, for modern Christianity, it's just opposite of that. Hypocrisy plagues the church. 
And again, who is going to be a recipient and want to be thirsty and hungry for what you have if what you have is phony and hypocritical? That's why it's important for you and I to understand that through being an ambassador, we are to properly represent Christ Jesus. Wherever God has you, listen, if you are in school, if you are a lawyer, if you are a doctor, a trash man, if you work at In-N-Out or you work at Jack in the Box, it don't matter where you are, where you are is where God has you and he has you to be his representative. He's an ambassador. And through that, you are to represent him to the fullest. And fullest is pursuing righteousness, joy, and the Holy Ghost. And, and here is what happens with many people is they get, uh, they disqualify themselves in a couple of ways. One, thinking, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not like Jesus. I'm not like Pastor G. I don't have a great... Uh, scriptures in my mind, and I don't, know, I don't have this or that. Well, listen, brothers and sisters, we're all on the same page, meaning that we're all sinners. The ground at the cross is level. That is where you and I gather. And in our gathering, we realize that we all struggle with sin, but the most important thing is, is are we willing to confess that and get right, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then through that, you are now qualified to be a proper representation of Christ Jesus. No matter where you are, wherever your little feet take you, that is where you're to be an ambassador. Amen? Listen. This is a story of long ago, and, and trust me, there's been many times where I've wrongly represented my Christ. But one that stood out this morning to, to give us an example was, was it, uh, it was 94 um, it, it was a funny year for me because as a believer, I was fairly young. Young in a sense, I was just beginning to really grow in my Christianity. I was a part of a, a, a movement called Campus Crusade for Christ out at UCSB because my wife was attending. And I was just starting to lead Bible studies and this was just unreal for me. This was just... I was at a place that I couldn't believe it because I was so new, but yet the Lord was doing so many things and I was just excited. I was getting, a new, getting to know new people who were believers and, and this was all new to me because prior to that, I was a heathen. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up uh, knowing the gospels or knowing the word of God. I grew up a complete idiot <laughs> in many facets, mostly in spirituality. But this particular time, it was kind of interesting because um, I, I was born a huge fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I know not everybody likes football, but whatever. And so one of the things I love to do is watch the, the Cowboys play. And so with all my new friends who also liked football, it was like, because um, I didn't think Christians had fun. I didn't think they liked football. And so, as a new believer, I saw, I saw all these guys, they like football, and so I hosted a party. Because this was in the reign of the Cowboys. Uh, 92 and 93, they had the Super Bowl. They were champions. And this was going to be the third year, and it had never been done before. Three in a row. And so, it, it, was, it was a championship where they played the 49ers. And so, I gathered all my friends who were from the north. 
They all liked the 49ers, but I didn't care because, man, my boys, they were champs the year before and the year before that. And they were going to take them out. But those of you who know the outcome, 38 to 28, the Cowboys lost. But this was an area where I was still young in the Lord because I was just in a place where, as a believer, you shouldn't be. And all these new believing friends of mine were just, ah, they were in my face and little did they know that it's not good. Don't do that to me right now. And so I was in this just, oh, this funk. And so I told my wife, hey, we got to get out of here. But we're hosting the party. I got to leave. I got to go. And we were hosting this party in this rented area. And pretty much I, I bailed. And my wife, she's so cute. She's just clueless. She's like, okay, we're going to go home because, you know, he's tired or whatever. And so we're on our way home. We're, we lived in a marriage student housing across from FT. And as we're driving in, there's a guy who's in our way from my parking spot. He's standing there and he's talking to this person in the car. And so, you know, when you're in this funk, in this angered state, one minute is like a lifetime. And they're just talking, and so I'm just like burning, like, why is this guy in my way? And so finally I just, ooh, honk the horn, you know, just giving that look. And, and so the guy kind of looks like this, and then just keeps talking. And I'm like, this guy is unbelievable. So finally he moves, and then I get into my parking spot, and I'm just furious at this point. And the guy walked up to my window and he said something and he walked away. And at that second, I jumped out of my car, I'm in his face, and I'm in a place where I used to be. And that is not a good place. And so I'm in his face and this guy is like, what is, whoa, dude, wait a minute. What's going on here? He's tripping out and I'm in his face. I'm, re- I'm ready to do the, the, the things that the old man used to do. And so luckily, thanks be to God, the Lord moved me away. And my wife, who's just getting out of the car going, hey, everybody, let's go. She's just cute. She doesn't know what's going on. It was her voice that, like, I'm in this guy's face, and, and, and she didn't even know it. She didn't know that I was about to, she just thought, oh, okay, he must know him or something. And I hear her voice, and it was like the Lord used that voice to soften my heart, and I had to walk away. And next thing you know, I was in my bed, and I didn't even want to eat dinner. I'm just laying there, and I'm just like, and the Lord just ministering and saying, Son, you didn't properly represent me. That's not ambassadorship. You're promoting the kingdom of God through these Bible studies, but this? And so I knew what I had to do. That is repent. But I knew I had to go beyond repentance. I had to make it right. So I staked this guy. I was just on him, just watching to see where he lived. And then one day, I, I, I gained the courage, knocked on the door. And as he opened the door, he's all, hey, you again? Like, he's like ready to like, this guy, what is with this guy? And I just looked at him and I said, hey, man, you know what? What I did the other day, that was wrong. You know, it was wrong. And I just want to ask for forgiveness. And, and the guy's tripping out on me. He's like, wow, this, what, this, this guy is something else. 
And, uh, you know, and I even told him, I said, hey, you know, the, the Lord told me that, that, that that's, that's not about his kingdom. And I, I, just, I can't remember word for word, but I do remember this. He's all, I, and as a man, a typical man, I was like, you know, uh, it's just I was having a hard time. The Cowboys lost. He's all, oh, really? I'm a 49er fan. So I'm like, oh, man. The bottom line is, there are those times where we misrepresent our king. Brothers and sisters, it's at those moments that we need to repent. Make things right. Because in doing so, we are true ambassadors, properly representing, because it's in that place that the Lord will allow us to be reconcilers. Just in your day-to-day life, you know, you don't need to get the sandwich board at your workplace and, and scream out, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. If anything, live that life of repentance, the kingdom of God is at hand. Because living that life, you'll find that you attract those who the Lord is bringing to himself. You can't argue somebody into the kingdom of God. But you can certainly convince them by a living testimony. And the only way you're going to have a living testimony is you're willing to be a true ambassador. Not phony baloney. Not hypocrisy. But a life willing to know that, hey, I do wrong, but I'm willing to make it right. I'm willing to confess, repent, and get right for the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen? Next we see that Jesus was a servant of the kingdom. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of God did not come to be served, but to what? To serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served in so many capacities. It's, it's summarized really well in Matthew 4.23. Jesus went about Galilee teaching in the synagogues, preaching in the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of the sick and all manner of the diseased among the people. And as you flip through again through the gospels, you'll see how Jesus served his master, served the heavenly father. Jesus was with the people, meeting their needs. As a rabbi, as a teacher, as a savior, he gives us a great example of what it means to serve. As he washed his disciples' feet, he was giving them a visual. He wasn't just telling them to serve. He was showing them to serve, even to the point of being on his hands and knees and washing nasty, funky feet. He wasn't willing just to tell them to serve, but he showed them through observing his lifestyle. Jesus was willing to serve others as his ambassadors. We too, properly representing the kingdom of God, must know that we have to serve because by serving others, it's hard to get our eyes on ourselves when it's on others, when it's on him. Amen? It's a concept that we really need to bring to light because so often we get in this place of serving self, promoting self, promoting your own kingdom. I was guilty of promoting my own kingdom for so many years, but we are to promote the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is about others. It's about serving, serving. Listen, 
Some of you may be in the camp of, well, I, I can't serve because I, I don't have you know, skills or this or that. But again, listen, wherever the Lord has you, that's where he has you to be an ambassador and that's where he has you to be a servant. There's other ways to serve. You know, for a lot of us, you know, you're not a pastor, you're not in the ministry, but you, you know, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, whatever you are, that's what God has you to be. But challenge yourself, where in your life are you serving the king? Apart from your vocation, where in your life are you serving the king? Because what I found is when your hands are idle, you get in a lot of trouble. And so often as believers, we get in trouble because we're not uh, about the Father's business. You know, I recently met with a, um, a young man who I just adore. He's like, I consider him like one of my sons as I discipled him as a youth pastor in Santa Barbara. And he goes here and he's still a part of my life and I still meet with him. He's a sweet kid. He works for his dad. He's a, he, he, he works full time. He doesn't go to school, but he's working full time for his dad. And the last time I met with him, he, he says to me, gee, you know, my, my job for my dad gets real slow during the winter. And so what do you think? I'm, th- I'm thinking about going to uh, serve in Africa, the, the Russells, and just going there for three or four weeks. What do you think? I said, man, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he was like, amen. And I walked away from that meeting with him thinking, wow. This guy works full time. Knowing that he has free time, what does he fill it with? Because so many times, I mean, this guy, he's one of those guys, as a non-believer, you would hate him. Because he's just good at everything. You go surfing with him, he's better than you. You go snowboarding with him, he's better with you. Everything, he's better. And you look at him and he's better. Everything, he's better. (laughs) As a non-believer, I would hate him. But as a believer, I love him. Even as a young man in in high school, um, you know, he was one of the star running backs of, of of his school. And as I was meeting with him, I loved meeting with him because I loved talking football with him. And he was the star running back. But guess what? The Lord had told him that football had become an idol. And he sat down with me one day and he says, you know what? I'm thinking about giving up football. And I, as his disciple, was like, well, are you sure? I mean, mean, you're so good. I mean, he says, no, it's become an idol. (laughs) And it's the gospel truth. The guy pulled out. And so here, what a great example this young man is, that in his spare time, he doesn't say, oh, I'm going to Utah to go snowboarding, or I'm going to go take a vacation here or there. He says, man, i got to serve my king. Friends, that is a kingdom perspective. To God be the glory. But for you and I, let us be an example. Where in your life can you serve the king? As we spend our time worshiping Jesus, come kneel and say, Lord, where would you have me serve? What capacity, where would you have me serve you? Because brothers and sisters, you have to believe that you are here with the intention of serving the King of Kings. Amen? Lastly, as we look, Jesus was directed and connected to the king. 
Jesus was directed and connected to the king, and by doing so, he was most effective as an ambassador and as a servant. Being intimate with the Father enabled him to represent and serve properly. And if it was needed in the life of Jesus, wouldn't it be fair to say it's needed in the life of you and I? To be effective as ambassadors, to be effective, effective as servants, we need to be intimate with our King. Turn real quick to John chapter 15. We're going to close with this last text and I really believe the Lord wants to minister to us in this text. John 15, 4. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they will gather them and throw them into the fire and they will be burned. But if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. For this my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Through intimacy. Through time in God's word. Through time of Intimacy through prayer. The opportunities God has given us to be intimate with Him are tremendous because the job that is at hand is tremendous. But it is not too big. It is not too broad. It is not too much because in Him we can do many great things. Matter of fact, Jesus said, you will do greater things than I. And He would only be able to say this because He would go to the Father and the Holy Spirit would come and be the helper to help you and I properly represent Him as ambassadors and help us to be true servants. But these things will not come unless we spend time with Jesus Christ. We have to guard our time with Him. It's kind of funny. Because, you know, you may hear the preacher say how many times a year read your Bible. You may hear the preacher how many times say, people, we got to pray. How many times you hear that a year? Well, you hear it a whole lot. Why? Because we need to hear it a whole lot. Why? Because we're sinners. Prone to wonder. And this morning the message remains the same. Intimacy with the Father is found in, in, in His Word. The kingdom perspective is right in here. If you want to go in line with what the Father... I mean, even Jesus says, man, I don't do anything without the Father telling me to do so. John 5. That should be the life of the Christian. Hey, I've got to have my Word. 
because it's going to be the lamp unto my feet, the light unto my path. It's kind of funny, you know, I'm uh, kind of stuck on this um, football thing. But I was thinking about this the other day as I was watching them uh, prepare for training camp. I don't have cable, but uh, my wife and I last night were at uh, my family reunion down in Chula Vista. And uh, we were staying at a hotel, so I was looking at uh, them get ready, and they were at this place where this calm where they were getting ready and it just dawned on me I was like man these guys are pros and yet they're still in need of what? a coach they've been playing football all their lives yet they still need a coach to tell them hey you did this wrong you did that right but you need to do this you need to work on your footing you need to do that you need to lose weight you need to get stronger here you need to do that and yet they've been doing it all their lives they're pros and they get paid to do it And yet they need a coach because they're still prone to go back to their old ways. They constantly need correction as you and I constantly need correction. And so as we want to further the kingdom of God, if you would say, yes, Lord, send me. I want to be a tool in the hands of the Heavenly Father. I want to properly represent you. Lord, I want to be an ambassador for you. Lord, I want to serve you, then you must realize you need the coaching, the intimacy, and that that oneness with Him. Amen? Because in doing so, you will be most effective. And in light of the darkness that lies out, friends, we got to be willing. we got to be willing to submit ourselves to the King. Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful honor and privilege we've been given. And Lord, we, we know that apart from you, we, we cannot bear fruit. We cannot be effective for your kingdom. And Jesus, we're just blessed to know that you ascended unto heaven for, Lord, that purpose of sending the helper. Thank you that we have the Holy Spirit that is going to help us. And we want to take advantage of that even this day. We want to proclaim just as Joshua, as for me in my house, I want to serve the Lord. Lord, collectively as your children, we submit to your wonderful will and asking that your spirit would come and move us to a place of being effective for your kingdom. And Lord, if there's any adjustments that need to be made, we ask Holy Spirit that you would reveal to us what it is that is getting in the way. Lord, are we misrepresenting you in areas? We we want to yield to you in those things. And and Lord, we, we confess we want to serve you, but where? Lord, make it known to us today. And Lord, we, we realize and recognize that intimacy with you is often forgotten. And so today we want to connect. We want to reestablish. For we believe that the kingdom of God is at hand. So we yield this time to you. In Jesus' name.